You're listening to another sermon by Pastor Michael Zapata from the Potter's House Christian Church. Hallelujah. Book of Psalms, chapter 63. We're going to be reading from verse 1 through to 5 out of the book of Psalms, chapter 63. Just recently, my family have moved to Kumra. And uh, in the uh, area is the main Kumra bus and train station. And so it's not, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a very common thing to see a, a lot of uh, buses and trains. Uh, uh, but one thing that stands out is the uh, buses that are always driving past and I'm, I'm always seeing them. Uh, and these particular buses are the, the, the buses that are not in service. How many have ever seen that? They have a big sign that says not in service. And so as I was looking at that, these buses, if you don't know, uh, they travel around, whether they're going from the depot, they uh, finish their route, and so they're either traveling to and fro. Uh, uh, but the sign, not in service, basically means that they're not picking up any passengers. Now I began to think about it, how there are some Christians exactly like those not in service buses. They look the part. They're traveling around and they're seeing things and they're going from here to there. But the truth is, is that they never pick anything up. There's nothing inside. And as a result, all they're doing is just traveling around. Now, it's only when we are in service that we actually begin to pick up what God's trying to put down. There are certain things, the meaning to life, destiny and purpose that God has for us. But how many know that unless we are in service, those treasures, those mysteries will never be revealed to us. And so I want to preach to you a very simple sermon entitled, In Service. Out of the book of Psalms chapter 63 Verses 1 through to 5, the Bible says uh, these words. O God, you are my God, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus uh, I will bless you while I live. Uh, I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be sa- uh, satisfied uh, as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. I want to look firstly and focus on man's search. Now we are designed by God to be gatherers of information. From a very young age, you'll see and understand uh, that children will have uh, that famous question that they will repeatedly ask their parents. Dad, why? And it is this question that they ask continually, uh, trying to find out more about how the world operates, uh, why things happen a certain way. uh, And the reason for this is because in the first few years of their existence, uh, children are like sponges. They're absorbing everything uh, about you, about the world that they're in. uh, And uh, this is uh, the way God intended it, to gather information. They say that Adam, the first man created by God, would have had the IQ of 1,500. 
He was responsible for naming um, all of the animals. Uh, uh, Today, you would have a genius that would have the IQ of 150. And so, uh, uh, you know, they say that we only use 10% of our brains. And so if Adam was a genius and using his full brain, he would have had the IQ of 1,500 IQ. And so you can only imagine at the capability of this one man having to name every animal, not just describe them, not just, you know, say that's a big fat thing. You know, it, this is a name. It, it means it's going to, uh, this name's going to carry a meaning. Uh, uh, you know, some parents only have one child because they, they, you know, the reality of naming it, what, what are we going to call it? It's a difficult task. But understand this, that God has created us to gather information. We're also designed to be able to process information, process the information that we've gathered throughout the years. This is known as experience, uh, and and we are to, uh, as we go through life, not just allow information to go in one ear and come out the other, but rather uh, be able to apply it to your everyday life uh, and be able to uh, benefit from that information that you've gathered. This is why it's important uh, to be close to uh, uh, elderly people, people around you that have been around longer than you because they carry with themselves uh, experience, gathered information, uh, and they have learned to process things uh, in a right or wrong way. But, but you're able to glean from that. Now, my era was the era of Tetris. How many remember Tetris? you don't know Tetris, Tetris was a block game. And you had to, for whatever reason it was, get these blocks and switch them around so they would form lines. And the moment they would form lines, these lines would disappear. These were the mind games that we would play. My, uh, you know, that was a little bit late before me, but my era was the snake, the snake game. It was the 32, 10, uh, and that's all you, you're playing the snake. You're getting this little dot and, and you have to duck and weave and not hit yourself. Uh, and so, I mean, you would spend hours on these games trying to just, you know, apply yourself. Uh, uh, you could play games like Sudoku, uh, trying to get numbers in the right place to add certain things up, crossword puzzles. Uh, all these things are a mind game. You're trying to develop and, and hopefully uh, not just become brain dead. They say if you don't use it, you lose it. But here is this understanding. Thinking is godliness. And this is why everything that sin is, is to destroy the mind. It is the opposite of godliness. It doesn't want you to benefit from the information you've retained. It does not want you to grow in understanding. In fact, it wants to limit your understanding. And so here is the psalmist that uses this analogy. He says in Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Now, the imagery here that the psalmist is writing about is speaking about reality. That how many know this world leaves you very thirsty and dehydrated? There's no substance to it. 
There's nothing that in this world that can offer you that, that comes even close to what God has for you. And so here is a man that is searching for something. He's in the wilderness. The context of this psalm is he's in exile. He's running. He's in the wilderness of Judah. And while he's there, he's away from the sanctuary. He's away from the presence of God, the house of God. And he begins to realize at the importance of it. And how despite the fact that we could fill our lives with so many things, the one thing that can quench the soul, that can rehydrate us, is being in God's presence. The only thing that can give us hope in a desperate situation, the only thing that can cause us from sadness to joy is being in the sanctuary of God. Because it's in those desperate times that we face the realities of survival. Now, if we're really honest, our survival skills are not up to scratch. I mean, if the power goes off in your house, immediately you think, what are we going to eat? How am I going to go on the internet? I can't even take a nice warm shower. And so all these things, survival skills, are really, I mean, at an all-time low. If you were to say to someone, well, there's a couple of sticks, make a fire. You wouldn't even know where to start. Because in survival times, it's what you know comes out. It's revealed. And this is the scary part, that man searches for meaning in so many things and it always comes up short when it's not of God. So we need to be careful what we're seeking for. The psalmist said, early I will seek you. Now that's profound because here is a man that realizes I'm in the wilderness I'm far away from His presence and I desperately want to be in His presence. If I'm not careful, I'm going to miss out on what God's doing. So I want to look, secondly, at looking in. Now, truth be told, many aren't satisfied with what they see on the inside. You can see the outward expression of this uh, with all types of piercings and tattoos that fill uh, uh, the youth bodies today. The insecurities, the feelings of being alone, anxiety is an all-time high. I read an article that said 22% of millennials today say they have no friends. This article says a poll conducted by YouGov released on July 30 this year reveals that 30% of millennials say they always or often feel lonely compared to 20% of Gen Xs and just 15% of boomers feeling the same way. Likewise, millennials are more likely to say they have no acquaintances. 25 millennials say that this is the case. No friends, 22%. No close friends, 27%. And no best friends, 30% than any of the other age groups. Now, I want you to think about that. They say, research says, social media has destroyed people's lives. We have all these likes and friends on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Everyone's following you, but no one cares about you. Which means we're living in a very lonely society. 
Now, one has to, at some point in life, begin to consider what's really on the inside. If we're afraid of being lonely, if one moment of a, you just jump into the car and begin to you know, turn everything off and listen to your own thoughts, if that's a terrifying thought, well then, maybe there's something we need to begin to look at. Because David speaks of going to a location where there is a guaranteed outcome. And I have to bring this understanding that a life without God is always going to be lonely. A life uh, uh, outside of God's presence is going to be a time separated uh, from the one true God that has His purposes and plans and destiny for each and every one of us. Uh, No such thing as a successful backslider. There's no such thing uh, as a sinful life that is full uh, of of excitement. The truth is, without Jesus, you will always be lonely. David begins to reminisce of the location where he he was guaranteed that's where God lived. He calls this place the sanctuary. In Psalm 63 verse 2, So I look for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Now we don't use that term for church anymore, the sanctuary. We just call it the church. But this word sanctuary has a very profound meaning. Sanctuary is not a common word to today used, but it means a holy thing or holiness or sacredness. The word indicates something consecrated and set aside for sacred use only. Now you need to realize something, that the reason why we don't uh, close this building down and have a gym uh, Monday through to Friday or uh, uh, you know, host various different parties or all those sorts of things and try to make an income uh, is because we try to keep this sanctuary holy. If anything we do, uh, it is tailored so that we could reach out to the community, uh, preach to them about Jesus Christ and pray that they would repent from their sins. Why? Because this is a sanctuary. And this is where God's presence resides. This is where God lives. And if you're in the wilderness, I pray uh, that you would be going through the tough time. And irregardless to your circumstance, you'd begin to cry out, God, bring Wednesday night. God, bring Sunday. And you'd rock up here and feel the presence of God and be transformed immediately. That's the aim. And that is what the psalmist was longing for. You know, the sole purpose for the sanctuary was so that God's presence would live among God's people. In Exodus 25 verse 8, the Bible says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now, what you need to understand is that God is desperate to try to be involved in your life. He's doing everything in his power. He was willing to send his only son so that he could come in direct contact with you and your sins so that you would repent and turn to him and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And when David experienced his time in exile, he began to see the importance of the presence of God. He began to realize his desperate need for the power of God. To be in the sanctuary. Now it's a tragedy to know and read about how many churches today are closing their doors. It's very real. There are not many churches that are open on a Wednesday night. There are not many churches that are open on a Sunday night. 
And one begs the uh, question to be asked in regards to the desperate needs today. Are there less than what they used to be? Are there less people that are going to hell? Is there a less of a need uh, to preach the gospel? Are lives better than what they used to be? The truth is, if we are really honest and look deep within, uh, the world is getting worse and worse day by day. uh, And this is not a time to be closing our doors, but rather opening them up uh, to be able to allow God to do what He does best. To be able to fight uh, for this sanctuary to remain open uh, so that when that day comes, uh, that lost soul in the wilderness comes through that door, can feel the power and glory of God uh, and be transformed from the inside out. This is what the psalmist was longing for. David was there thinking, uh, I want to be in this, I'm looking for that sanctuary. Let me ask you this evening. Is that how you see the church? Is this a sacred place? Is this a place where the power of God resides? Is this a place where you come to meet with God? Because the tragedy is, is that the more that we look in, the more that we want to keep out of the church. Because if we're honest, we do a self-assessment, we look at our lives, I'm a wretched sinner, I've made so many mistakes, I could never, and I've witnessed to so many people that have said, I could never be accepted into a church. Why? Because we see our shortcomings. We know we're inadequate in the presence of an almighty and powerful God. In Exodus 33.8, so it was whenever Moses went out of the tabernacle. That all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses uh, until he had gone into the tabernacle. Uh, Here he was, uh, Moses going into the tabernacle, the sanctuary where God's presence resided. uh, And every time that he went in, a cloud would descend upon that temple uh, and people uh, would look from their tent doors. They would not dare to go into the sanctuary. They would not dare to cross into, those, uh, into that place where God would reside. Uh, they would only just watch from afar. Why? Because they looked inside. They thought, if, if God saw me, he would strike me down. A pillar of cloud would descend. And the Bible says Moses would speak to God face to face. Now we know... That not just anyone can stand in the presence of God. And yet here was a man who had committed murder. No doubt had lied and had had done many things that many of us would write ourselves off and say, there is no way God could use me. There is no way I could ever stand in the presence of an almighty God. And yet here is Moses. What hope that brings for each and every one of us. Because who is worthy enough to stand in a holy sanctuary? None of us. But yet God wants to be with us. Yet God wants a relationship with each and every one of us. And therefore he says, make me a sanctuary. That's where I'll be. That's where I'll reside. David himself knew He wanted to be in the presence of God. And we know David and all that transpired in his life. 
But you have to understand something. That even while we look in and we think, you know what, I don't deserve and I don't think I should, the truth is, is that God says, you need to come to me. Be in my presence. Be in service. Long for that sanctuary. Because it's in service that we see the true identity that we are. He's, we see who we really are on the inside. And yes, we know it may not be perfect, uh, but here is the opportunity that is given to each and every one of us, and that's the opportunity to change. The opportunity to leave this place different from the way we came in. An opportunity to be able to allow God to do what He does best. Transform us. Let me remind you, God hates sin but loves you. And he doesn't want us to stay in, a state of sin, in the state of sin, but here is this sanctuary where we see God and His grace and His mercy. His power is poured out upon our lives. And while we are, yes, there in His presence, we look in Him, we're saying, I don't know if I deserve this. God says, allow me to do what I do best. That happens in the sanctuary. That happens in every service. So I want to look thirdly and in closing at fully satisfied. Let me just make a statement that we can never have too much of God. So there's no point in limiting Him and all that He wants to do for you. We still haven't seen all that God wants to do in our lives and in this church. Can you say amen? There is still much more for God to do. He hasn't run out of ideas. He hasn't thought, whoops, I didn't think these people would still be serving me all these years later. He didn't think, oh my goodness, I can't believe they're still saved. I wasn't prepared for it. When the children of Israel left Egypt, uh, that, you know, that when they got to uh, the big Red Sea, God didn't say, oh, okay, well, maybe I should have got them to build boats before I got them out of Egypt. He wasn't thinking, oh, you've done this too quickly, slow down a little bit. In fact, in the moment that they stepped out, the moment that they rushed towards the waters, the Bible says God moves supernaturally. And so that shows us that God has not yet fully revealed all that He wants to do in your life and in this church. So why are we here? We're here to expect God to move supernaturally. We're here because we want to hear from God. We're here because we need God's power to be made real to us. But this is a process. And it's the process that allows God to reveal Himself to us. It's an encounter. And what does an encounter look like? An encounter is very simple. Firstly, you come to God thirsty. You come to God a little dehydrated. Again, our psalm says, O God, you are my God, early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Now what you have to understand is the rehydration that God brings is one that is eternal. One encounter with what God brings. One encounter with His waters. The women at the well, 
John chapter 4 verse 10, Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it was uh, who said to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now here is this woman in a very desperate stage of her life. She is running from people. She's trying to keep to herself and become, she's become recluse from society. And so as she's living this life, she comes full contact with living water. Jesus Christ, the one that is able to rehydrate us, bring us water that will never cause us to thirst again. And here her reply is, Sir, Give me this water. And what you don't hear Jesus say is no. You don't hear him say, you're not good enough. You don't hear him say, maybe come back later. We know the story that Jesus gives her the means by which she can acquire this living water through repentance and forgiveness, and the Bible says that the whole city is rehydrated. And so it's us firstly coming to God thirsty. Do you still long to be in the presence of God? Do you still long to hear from Him? That the next service, the next moment we're in His presence, God's going to bring an answer for your prayers that you've been praying. Secondly, we come thirsty and we stay for the taste. Because it's the taste that brings it back, right? It's like once you get a taste of what God can do, I mean, there's nothing like it, right? You know, we've all tried things and we've all been to great restaurants and we've all done, you know, but let's be honest. It's the tasty things that all of a sudden gets our attention. It's that moment when you prayed and God answered. It's like, oh, I could get used to that. Right? It's that time that you laid a hold of God and you said, I'm going to fast and I'm going to contend. And God demonstrated his power. Now, all of a sudden, something happened and you get a taste for the supernatural. You laid hands on someone and they got healed and you get a taste. You know, what kept David in the wilderness is that he had a taste of what God could do. He said in Psalm 63 verse 3, because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. He got a taste. You've been transformed. You're not the same person you used to be. It's a taste. I think I didn't see that, Ashley. Better than what you've ever had. And nothing compares to it. And thirdly, it's the blessing of giving back to God. Now you think, how could we ever bless God, right? Psalm 63 verse 4, Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift my hands in your name. Think about that. God has everything. God, if he wanted to, could create something if he doesn't have it. But one thing that he cannot make do and that is us praising him he refuses to force us to praise him
In fact, he longs and he waits for that day where his creation turns to him and say, says to him, Thank you. I love you, Lord. You are my God. But think about it. How do we bless the God that has everything? Well, he gave me joy, so I'm going to lift my hands and praise him. He gave me love, so I'm going to serve him. You gave me wealth, and so I will honor him. He gave me purpose, and I will surrender to his will. This is how we bless God. It's more than just a religious experience. Let me tell you, it's more than just you getting up and dressing up and coming to church and sitting down and listening to a few things. God is at work. He's doing a miracle in each and every one of our lives. Uh, and we need to break away from the religious experiences and, and run towards an encounter. God, I want to meet with you. Because from that moment on, Nothing stays the same. Everything changes. It's just one service. One service can transform your life, can spare you from the flames of hell. You can hear one sermon, and all of a sudden, you know what? I've been a fool. I've got to change the way that I live. Don't take for granted the times you're in the sanctuary. Don't take for granted the times when you're in the presence of God. Because listen to me, when you come ready, when you begin to long, when you, you begin to cry out and say, God, I, I need to hear from you. God, you're the only answer that I want to hear. This is where God begins to get involved. Don't despise it, church. One service could save your life. Let me uh, finish with this one story of an old farmer. There was an old farmer who had a farm and obviously was working on it and had this tractor. But while he was fixing the tractor, what happened is he began to not realize, but he got pinned underneath this tractor. So this old farmer having to try to force uh, and, and break free from being trapped. He couldn't. Some time goes past. He's crying out. But he's the only one on his farm. He's an old, lonely farmer. Four days go past. He's at the very end of his life. And finally, a search and rescue team is sent out. And they find this old farmer. And his life is spared. Now, what's interesting about this story is that this happened on Monday. For four days, he was trapped. But by Wednesday night, he was a part of a local church that had a Wednesday night service. They knew that this old farmer was always in service. And it was very unlikely that he would ever miss one service. Immediately, they realized something was wrong and they informed the authorities. They went and found him and his life was spared. Now I wonder if that could be said about us. I wonder if in the older years of our life, we'll still be found where we need to be. And that's in his sanctuary. 
I wonder if the testimony of our life is, you know what, he's always in church, or she's always in ministry, and she's always serving, and they're always doing something for God. I know exactly where they are tonight. Listen to me, wherever going to be able to see all that God has for us. It needs to be more than just driving around, looking the part, but yet having a no service sign. We need to be in service. We need to be picking up what God is putting down. We need to be doing what God has for us. Can you say amen? Why don't we bow our heads, close our eyes this evening. No one's moving around just for a few moments. Presence of God is in this place.